Well, you know that uh, today is a very important day. It is not only is it Father's Day, but it is a day that uh, when we get to the end of our service this morning, that we'll enter a time of, of, of business and you'll have the opportunity to uh, support the transition team report. Uh, that group of people worked incredibly hard for a long time. If you ask them individually, they'll tell you just how long it was. But they worked really hard, and they have a great report. And once that report is affirmed today, the next Sunday we'll come back into another time where you will have the opportunity to nominate people to be on the search team. So you're going to get the, by next Sunday, you'll get the process started of looking for your next pastor. And some of you are really excited about that. And all of you ought to be really excited about that. So that's where we are today. That's where we'll be next Sunday. Uh, But before we get to any of that, today I want to start a new teaching series on the book of Proverbs. So if you have a copy of God's Word with you, I want to encourage you to find Proverbs. This book is about wisdom for living. But it points to a very different life than the way most people are living today. And in many ways, in fact, it points to what I'm going to call an upside-down, inside-out life. Uh, What we're going to discover is the way that Proverbs tells us to live is very different from the way the culture's living. The way the book of Proverbs tells us to live is very different from the way most of the world around us is telling us how to live. But I would suggest to you that the way the book of Proverbs tells us to live is really the only way that that we can live where life will work like it's supposed to. Uh, this is important stuff, and, 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 and I think it, it is critically important that we spend time in this book just looking at how we are supposed to live. So we'll start today in Proverbs chapter 1. Let me pray for you and then we'll read God's word together. Father, we are grateful for this Lord's day. Grateful, Father, to be back among your people on this day. Grateful to serve along my friend uh, Bill. And thank you, God, for the gifts and talents that you've given him and, and, and the, the call upon his life and his willingness to come and be a part of, of what we do here today. God, we thank you for the transition team and the hard work they've put in the process of, of developing the report that we'll deal with. God, we thank you that it is a great plan for the days ahead for this great church. God, help us today as we enter your word that we'll understand that it is your word, not our word, that it is pure and perfect, that it is infallible and inerrant, it is sufficient in all ways. And God, if we'll just have the faith to, to look in the book and, and, and begin to apply what's in the book to our lives, God, I am convinced that we'll find a life better than what we're living now. And God, I can't imagine anyone in this room not wanting a life that is somehow better than what we're living now. God, help us to know that this is you speaking directly into us. Help us to receive it by faith, to apply it by faith, and to be changed by faith so that when we're done today, God, will be just a little more like Jesus. It is in his sweet name that I pray. Amen and amen. And all the Lord's people said, amen. amen. Book of Proverbs. If you have not found it yet, uh, if you'll close your Bible and open up in the middle, it should be in the book of Psalms. Go one book to the right and you'll find uh, the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 1 says this, The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. To know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing and righteousness and justice and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let, let the wise hear and increase in learning 
Now think about what it just said there. I'm going to be back to that later. But just think about what we just read. Let the wise hear and increase in learning. And the one who understands obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the, of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. So when we begin this book, it begins with the use of the word proverb. And for some of you that were not so good in English when you were in school, a proverb is not a part of speech. It, it is instead a short saying of, of, of practical truth. Something like, man, you ought, you ought to look before you leap. That's how we would, would, would phrase a, a, a proverb today. Look before you leap. Proverbs are often like little sound bites, if you will, but, but they offer some very direct common sense about life. The Hebrew word, and by the way, the book of Proverbs was originally written in the Hebrew language. The Hebrew word for proverb means to represent or to be like. Isn't that an interesting definition, to, to represent or to be like? In other words, a proverb is like a little model of reality. It, 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 it's a statement of practical truth that that's so important and so insightful that, that we, ought to, we ought to slow down with it. We ought, we ought to pull the proverb out and, and look at it from every possible angle and, and see if we can get into the heart of it. And, and knowing that, that as we look at it from every angle and we get into the heart of it, that, that, that we'll come across something that is critically important for us. You know, the world says, live and learn. The book of Proverbs would say, learn and live. And see, those are two very different statements, right? The culture says, live and learn. The Bible says, learn and live. If you look in verses 2 through 6, we just read them together. But if you look in those verses, we read some of the goals of this book. As Solomon writes this, he, he, he tells us this is going to be a book of Proverbs. And then he begins to tell us some of the goals of why he's putting this together. Notice, notice that the book of Proverbs is intended to help build good character and, and to develop right thinking. Look particularly in verse 5. Notice that in verse 5 that this is a constant process. You know what that means? You will never know everything that you need to know. That's a good place for an amen. You will never know everything that you need to know. Amen? In fact, in fact, let me, let, me guess, let me step out of the book of Proverbs for a moment and give you a rule. If you ever get around anybody who thinks he knows it all, here's what you do. Run. You don't want to, you don't want to be around people that think they know it all. They're dangerous. And the reason they're dangerous is because nobody knows it all. We just read in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 5, that we're, not, we're never going to know it all, that there's always something else for us to learn. There's always something else in the Word of God for us to delve into and begin to understand. You will never know all that you need to know. Another thing we find in verses 2 through 5, if you'll look carefully with me, is that you will never, <laughs> you'll never be quite as good as you should be. Now, that's not to hurt your feelings. That, that, that's not to slam you. It just means that while we're on the face of this earth, we're never done. We're never done learning. We're, we're never done getting better at what God has called us to be. We are never done while we're taking breath on this earth. And then you get to verse 7, 
which is kind of the entire book wrapped up in one verse. In fact, if you have, if you have a pencil or, or an ink pen and a paper Bible like this, you ought, to, you ought to underline verse 7 so that you get back to it pretty easily. It, it really is the heart of the book. It, it really is kind of the book in, in a verse. It is, it, it, is, it is really the purpose of the book. And, and here's what it says again. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools, however, despise wisdom and instruction. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The fear of the Lord is, is the beginning of knowledge. This verse, this verse represents the contrast between wisdom and foolishness. And it is this contrast, this difference between wisdom and foolishness that is the basis of the book of Proverbs. Now notice that, that biblically foolishness is not an issue of intelligence. Foolish people can be really smart. Have you known anyone like that? Foolish people can be really smart. So when we talk about foolishness from a biblical viewpoint, we're not talking about the intelligence of a person. We're saying that foolishness is the result of ignoring God's wisdom, of, of refusing to live like God said is best. That's foolishness. Now look in verse 7, and what you'll discover is in the, in the book of Proverbs, the, the opposite of foolishness is wisdom. And the opposite of a fool the opposite of a fool is one who fears God. Now listen, when we talk about fearing God, we're not talking about being afraid of God. When we talk about fearing God in the book of Proverbs, we're not talking about being terrified of God. When we talk about fearing God in the book of Proverbs, we're not talking about saying, oh no, here comes God, I'm going to get it this time. He's really going to give it to me this time. That's not, that's not the basis for the fear of God in the book of Proverbs. Instead, the fear of God in this book, the fear of the Lord is always an openness toward him. It is, it, 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 it is the knowledge that if, if I think that I'm all that in a bag of chips, then, then the best I can hope for is a bag of stale chips. That I'm never going to be everything that I'm supposed to be while I'm on this earth because God never is quite done with us. So the fear of the Lord is just simply accepting that God knows stuff that I don't know. Can you accept that this morning? God knows stuff you don't know. And that's the way it ought to be, because if he didn't know any more than you know, then he wouldn't be God or you would be God, and either way, we'd be in trouble. So the, fool, the, 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 the fear of the Lord is accepting that he knows stuff that I don't know and that I should humble myself and, and learn from him. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 15, verse 33, listen to this verse. The fear of the Lord is instruction and wisdom and humility comes before honor. In other words, honor, which literally is success, is always preceded by humility. You, you, you want to you wanna succeed in life? And, and that, 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 that's a rhetorical question, but we all do, don't we? Let's, let's make it a non-rhetorical question. Don't we all want to succeed in life? Four of you want to succeed in life. <laughs> the rest of you can just take it easy then, I guess. Don't we all want to succeed in life? 
Yeah, sure we do. We all want to succeed. We all want to take those steps forward. And what the Bible would say then is success is always preceded by humility. In other words, success is never produced out of pride, but success always precedes humility, and humility is always the result of receiving biblical wisdom. You know, every time, Every time we open God's Word and we read His divine Word to us, one of the things that should happen in our hearts, in our spirits, is a humility. A humility that God knows stuff that I don't know. That God has insight that I don't have. That God knows... God knows... The end from the beginning. He's God and I'm not. Every time we open God's word, that should be one of the things that happens. Proverbs presents life as a, as a series of forks in the road. All right? The great theologian Yogi Berra. You, you, you know the great theologian Yogi Berra? One of his great theological statements is, is if you come to a fork in the road, take it. So, yeah. I thought it was better than you did. I thought it was absolutely hilarious. <laughs> See if I use that in the next service. When we come, <laughs> when, when we come to a fork in the road, you, you have to choose which way you want to go. Now listen to me. Every fork in the road that you come to, you with me? Every fork in the road that you come to is either a road, a choice for wisdom, or it is a choice for foolishness. There's no middle ground. It's either doing life the way God says life should be done, upside down, inside out, or it is a choice to live like the world is living. And there's no other choice. There is this fork in the road. And every time, every time we come to a fork, we have to make the decision. And if I ask you this morning, since you are participating as well as you are, if I ask you this morning, how many of you would choose the path of wisdom over the road to foolishness? All of you would say, I choose the path to wisdom, right? Yeah. yeah. No, if I said, how many of you would choose the road to foolishness? Oh, no. No, nobody would ever do that. If I said, choose the road to wisdom, yes, Joe, we're with you. Winter tie, we're with you on that one. I'm going to go down the path of wisdom, we would say. But here's the problem with the path of wisdom. Here's the challenge with the path of wisdom. When you come to that fork in the road, and this is the path to wisdom, and this is the path to foolishness, and you think in your heart of hearts, I'm going to choose wisdom, and you start off down the path of wisdom, guess what? Before you take very many steps, there's going to be another, another fork in the road. And you know what? That fork's going to be a choice between the way of wisdom or the road to foolishness. And there you're faced with another choice. And you're going to say, I'm going with wisdom. Great, let's go down that path. You're only going to take two or three steps, and guess what? There's going to be another fork in the road. And one of those directions is going to be the path of wisdom, and the other one's going to be the road to foolishness. And you're going to continue to face those choices every day of your life. You know what that means? 
every one of us is just one step away from foolishness. <laughs> every one of us is just one step away. I'm, I'll, I'll say this and, and it'll offend somebody. And you know what happens if you get offended, you have to come and apologize to me after church. But every one of us is just one decision away from stupid. Right? And you've, you've stood at that fork in the road, haven't you? I have. I think, I'm not going to go this way, I'm not going to go this way. And if I go off down the, 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 the road to foolishness, sooner or later I figure out, that was stupid. I've got to figure out how to get back on the path of wisdom. And that's not just me. Okay. I thought it wasn't just me. <laughs> Y'all think, man, we've got to get that search committee elected pretty quick here. We're in trouble. So think about it this way. You know, that for some of you men, that you, you might be thinking about a woman other than your wife in a way that you shouldn't be. You're just one step away from foolishness, one step away from stupid. Or, or, or maybe, maybe it's some of you women that are flirting with a man that, that isn't your husband. And you're just one step away from foolishness, one step away from stupid, right? Or, or maybe you're thinking about going back to drugs or alcohol, or maybe you're thinking about getting a, a divorce, or maybe you're thinking about going to a debt that you can't repay, or maybe you're thinking about getting into a fuss that you can't win. You see, you see, you see almost all of us today are at that point, that fork in the road, that choice between wisdom and stupidity, wisdom and foolishness. Now, if you're convinced of that, and, and, and surely by now you are, then, then the, question, the question would have to be, Joe, if, if that's true, if what you've told us is true, if what we've read in the book of Proverbs is true, then Joe, how do you not do the stupid thing? How do you not do the foolish thing? What an incredible question that is. What an amazing question that is. So here it is. Write this down. You should write what I'm about to say to you. Write it down. Laminate it. Put it on your refrigerator so you will always see it. How do you not do the stupid thing? You ready for this? This, this is it. How do you not do the stupid thing? You ready? You do the wise thing. You do the wise thing. How do you not do the foolish thing? Do the wise thing. How do you not do the stupid thing? Do the smart thing. You say, come on, Joe. It's got, it, 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 it's got to be something more than that. No, no. Really, really it's not. And to help you with it, what we're going to discover, if you, if, if you kept your Bible open, look in, look in Proverbs chapter, chapter 3. If, if, you, if you do the right thing, if you do the wise thing, Good things happen. Yeah, that was a good place for amen. If you do the wise thing, good things happen. You do the stupid thing, bad things happen. You, 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 don't, you, don't, have to, you don't have to be a, a rocket surgeon to figure this out. Right? I just did that to see if you were paying attention. <laughs> Proverbs chapter 3. Look in verse 13. 
Blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding. For the gain from her, from the gain from what? The gain from wisdom. The gain from wisdom is better than gain from silver and her profit better than gold. You, you know what the Bible just said? That wisdom is better than money. <laughs> that took a little bit of time, didn't it? You had, uh, Joe's waiting for me to say amen, but I don't know. Yeah. Did you see what it just said? That biblical wisdom is better than money. Look, look, in, look in verse 15. She is more precious than jewels or rubies, and nothing you desire can compare with her. Nothing, that, nothing else that you desire in life can be more important to you than wisdom. Long life is at her right hand. How many of you would like to live a long time? Three of us. Yoke. <laughs> You're thinking if you don't hurry up and finish this sermon, Joe, it's going to be a long life. I get that. But of course we want to live a long time, right? You know what it says in verse 16? Long life is in her right hand. Who's the her? It's wisdom. Verse 17, her ways are ways of pleasantness and all her paths are peace. The word peace there is the Hebrew word shalom and it means wholeness. Wholeness. Your life is whole. Verse 19, she is a tree of life to those who lay hold of her. Those who hold her fast are called blessed. So why is it that God gets to decide what is wise and what is foolish? Why does God get to decide how life should be lived? And the answer is that God is the one who made life. And God alone knows how life is supposed to fit together and how it's to be lived. Think about it this way. Have any of you ever been in an Ikea store? Anybody? A few of us. Y'all got to get out more often. There's actually a world outside of this county. Ikea stores. About several years ago, Gayla kidnapped me. Gayla's my wife. And drugged me to Frisco, Texas where there is this Ikea store. And it's like, it's, it's like a Walmart on steroids, a, a Sam's Club on methamphetamine. It's crazy. It's huge. I don't know how many blocks this thing covered, but we went into this Ikea store. About three and a half days later, I stumbled out. <laughs> Didn't think I would ever get out of that Ikea store. It's nuts. But imagine, imagine that you wanted a bookcase and you were in the Ikea store and you thought, while I'm in the Ikea store, I'm going to get me a bookcase. You think, do Ikea stores have bookcases? Listen, Ikea stores have every kind of furniture that you would ever want. The only problem with the Ikea store is when you get it home, you have to put together whatever it is that you wanted and bought from the Ikea store. So imagine... And about day two, you wander upon the bookcase section in the Ikea store. And you find the bookcase that you want and the number, and you order it. And a day and a half later, when you find the exit, this box is waiting on you that contains your bookcase. Now, in the box, it looks, looks nothing like a bookcase. But you take it home with some faith. 
and you get it home and you open the box and there on the floor in the living room are all the parts of a bookcase. There's the sides and the shelves and there's this sack of a million little screws, right? And another sack with other weird hardware that you've never seen in your life and you stare at it. And you keep looking and there's the instructions. Now the, pro, the difference in the instructions that most of us get from most stores is they're written out in narrative. Oh, the Swedes, they don't do that. Ikea is a Swedish store. They have, their instructions have pictures of Swedish people putting things together. And if you're not careful, sooner or later you'll come across a picture where one of the Swedish guys is drinking a beer, which just tells you putting those bookcases together can be really hard on a guy, right? <laughs> Not that I've ever done that, but just trust me. So you're, there you are with all these parts and this, 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 this manual is going to tell you how to put it together. And you got choices. You can throw the instructions away and you will never get your bookcase put together. Or you can follow the instructions, assuming that whoever wrote the instructions knows more about the bookcase then you know. And you can start separating out all the little screws and all the little weird hardware and then the shelves and, and the sides. And you can start putting this thing together. And about the time you get halfway, you realize that the left side is on the right and the right side's on the left. And you have to take the thing apart and start over again because the drawings from the Swedes really aren't any better than the narratives in the, in the, in, in, in the instructions that we get. But you keep following the instructions because you are convinced that whoever designed that bookcase and put that manual together knows more about that bookcase than you do. So you accept that. And you don't get upset. You don't get very upset. Well, sometimes you get horribly upset, and then you, you, you say, praise the Lord, oh, my soul, and you start over again, right? Until you get the thing put together. And when you get the thing put together, if it will actually stand up on its own, it is a, it is a, a, a very religious moment for you, right? It's like Jesus. So, see, we do that with bookshelves from Ikea. Because we trust that the people who made the bookshelves made the instruction manual, and if we follow the instructions, we'll get what we wanted out of it. You, you know where this is going, right? God is the one who made life. And, 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 and he has this instruction manual that tells us where all the parts go and how they go together. And if we were just wise enough to follow his instruction manual, oh, what a life we'd get out of it. What an amazing life we'd get out of it. You know, in many ways, that's what the book of Proverbs really is for us. And we just have to decide, are, are, are we going to follow the instructions or not? Understand that, that it's foolish to ignore them because if we ignore the instructions, it's going to mess up our lives. But if we choose to follow God's instructions, we'll have a life. And I love the simplicity of that. 
It's just a simple choice. A simple decision. And, and when you get right to it, you, you realize that life really is just a series of, of, of decisions, right? And every decision you make determines the direction you go. And every direction you go determines the destination of your journey. So listen to me. If you ever get to a destination point in your life and you wonder, how did I get here? It's because that's the direction that you went. And then if you say, well, why did I, why did I go in that direction? Oh, it's because of the decision that you made. Every decision determines the direction which determines the destination every That's how God made life work. So he gives us this. We've got to know. And we come to that fork in the road. We come to that decision point, And we've got to know which way do we go. Do we figure it out on our own? Or do we dare have the courage to open the book and read what the book says? Read what the manual says. And then go, oh, I get it. I get, I, I'm supposed to go this way. Whoops, there's another decision. What do I do? I don't know. Maybe I should look in the book. If I look in the book, it'll tell me. So I'm going to go, I'm going to go this direction. Whoops, I got another decision to make. What do I do? I think I'll look in the book. Hadn't failed me yet. I think I'll do what the manual says. And you keep making those decisions based upon not what the world around you is doing, but you make those decisions based upon what the Word of God says. And that way, watch out now, when you get to the ultimate destination, it'll be where you wanted to end up after all. Because you see, the ultimate destination is just two choices. One is the wise choice. The other one's the stupid choice, right? One's heaven. The other one's hell. Ah. Huh. You don't want to go to hell. Nobody, nobody would choose that. So how do we choose heaven? Yeah. Got to look in the manual. Right? We got to see what the manual says. And here's what the manual says. There's only one way to heaven. And that's Jesus. You got to choose him. There's your wise choice. Choose Jesus. You want to end up in heaven? Choose Jesus. That's a wise choice. Do what he says. What does he say? He says, whoever calls upon him will be saved. That's a wise choice. I should call upon the name of Jesus and be saved. What does he say then? He says, I should be baptized. It's a wise choice. I wonder what he would say next. He would say, join a church. I should, I should join a church. I wonder what the next thing he would say. He would say, live a life of wisdom. Help others live lives of wisdom. Because you see, every time we come to a choice, we're either going to choose wisdom or foolishness. The manual always points us toward wisdom and away from foolishness. 
got to choose wisdom today. Bow your heads, close your eyes, will you? By the way, I love the book of Proverbs. Just the practical, practical wisdom throughout the book. I'm going to love to go on this journey with you. But for some of you, before you go on this journey, there are some decisions that you need to make. For some of you, it's a decision about salvation. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. You ought to decide that today. If you've been saved and never baptized, you ought to decide that today. If you've been saved and scripturally baptized, you need a church home. You ought to come today and join. Maybe you've been choosing the foolish route. And today you're just going to go, ooh, I need to stop that. Maybe you ought to pray. Ask God to show you the wise choice and chase after that. The altar's open. We'd love to pray with you. We'd love to have a conversation with you about any of that or all of it. And Brother Bill leads us in this great old invitation to him. You come, will you? Stand with me.